Go with me, if, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we have been in a powerhouse of a series. Amen? Amen. We're, just, we're just getting started. We haven't even gotten out of the first chapter yet. Three weeks in, and uh, God is showing us so much. And I'm thankful that you are here, hungry, ready to receive on a Wednesday evening. Uh, I know we have a lot going on, especially in the middle of our weeks, and I thank you for making the sacrifice to give attention to God's Word tonight. We've been talking about uh, purpose through the lens and the life of David, and um, I love the story of David myself. I mean, it's just one of those stories that just stands out to you that a shepherd boy could slay a giant that could become... Uh, a king of Israel in the way that he conquered, the way that he lived victoriously, but also the way that he worshipped, the way that he uh, honored his God, loved his God. And uh, even though wasn't perfect, right? No, no one was perfect except for Jesus. I believe he set such a great example for us in many uh, different ways. But we are taking a look at the lens of purpose, discovering our purpose, discovering not just our purpose, but God's purpose for our lives. And uh, so we're taking a look at the life of David because this is a boy. This is a, a young shepherd boy that was out doing the, you know, the last person you would want assigned as a king, the last person you want standing up before a giant. Uh, but we have called this series Cheese and Giants. Cheese and Giants because... We are discovering how you go from serving cheese to slaying giants. We are finding out that the pathway to purpose uh, doesn't quite look, and I believe this is a timely series. I believe this is a timely message to be ministering right now because I, the more and more I get into this, even today's message, um, even this evening's message, it, it, it goes against what the world wants you to think your purpose is. It goes against the grain. You're going to find yourself doing things and thinking things and going throughout your day, going throughout your week, the relationships and the interactions, the conversations you have, and you'll have to think twice because the knee-jerk reaction that the world wants to instill in you is the wrong one. And we're going to learn how to honor when the world tells us to backstab, that we're going to learn how to walk in love when the world tells us that we should be cutting down. We're going to learn how to serve in a place where we know that God has called us to eventually lead. And so we're going to recognize these things, but we have to, you've got to start where God starts. If you want to accomplish the purpose that God has for your life, you can't start where you want to start. You've got to start where he starts. And uh, here in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we jumped in this chapter last week because we saw a few things. First of all, we saw that God will anoint you before he appoints you. I can't do all, I can't do both weeks. Both messages are online. Um, you can access them there online. You can get them through the app. Um, and you need to catch up if you have not heard them. If you haven't listened to them twice, I would encourage you to at least listen to them Twice, Even if you were here, you need to go back and hear it again. But last week we started off that God will anoint you before he appoints you. God loves to give you a glimpse of your future when it's way beyond anywhere you could possibly even understand how are you going to get there. And God will place a calling in your life. He will show you a glimpse of your, your vision, your future. And, and this is how he operates because David was anointed before he ever made it to the palace. Most of us would have said, all right, I've got my anointing. Uh, every, you know, my whole family saw it. My brother saw it. My dad saw it. I've got it dripping off of my head. Where, how are we getting to the palace? Show me the way. But the Bible tells us that he turned around and he went right back to the sheep. I wonder if, if, if God could take us and give us a calling and give us a glimpse of our future and we could turn right back around and keep doing what he told us to do. And some of us are, are so interested in going where God told us to go that we have stopped doing what he told us to do. I'll say that again. Some of us have become more interested in going where God has told us to go rather than doing what God told us 
to do. And the reason why this is important is because what he has told you to do will get you where he's told you to be. The Bible tells us that your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. The Bible says that your gift will do it. Sometimes I think we work, we do the work of our gift. Instead of allowing our gift to get us there and just continue doing and just continue serving and just continue right where God told us to be, the last thing he told us to do, we try to get our, oh, okay, how am, I, what, how am I going to get that connection? How am I going to meet that person? How am I going to be able to do this? How, okay, and we start trying to manufacture the blessing and the promise that he's given to us. Abraham tried to do this. He gave Abraham a promise, you will be a, a father of many nations. Told him at 75 years of age, already beyond natural ability. But what our first instinct is, is to step in and try to help God. Well, God, apparently you need my help with that. Apparently, you know, the promise. Look, what God wants you to do is the last thing he told you to do. That's, that's what he wants you to do. Because the assignment that he's giving you, that he's already given you, is the thing that will make room to be where he's told you to be. So we can't get caught up in, okay, God, how am I going to get to the palace? How am I going to become that great author? How am I going to become uh, that minister? How am I going to over, you know, oversee this company? Or be, you know, that means I've got to start you know, trying to, you don't need to go after it. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. Because it's the gifts and it's the abilities and it's the skills and it's the talents and it's the ability to serve that God has already put in you that will make room for you. That's what he's looking for. And so uh, we've got to be able to uh, see this, that our anointing will come before we are appointed. We also saw that God looks at different indicators, right? We saw that man looks at what? The outside. What's on the outside? But God said what? I look at what's on the inside. I look at the heart. And see, God is trying to work on what's in your heart more than what he's trying to do with what's in your hand. Your hand is your talent. Your hand is your skill. Your hand is your gift. But God's trying to do a work on the inside. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to go anywhere that your heart can't keep you. You don't want to be in a position that you haven't developed your heart to maintain. It's dangerous to obtain something that you haven't, that you cannot maintain. God could get you in the position, but can you keep yourself in the position? Can you have the right heart to lead the people of Israel? I mean, if God thought that he already had everything that he needed, he would have said, all right, Samuel, take him with you. You're going back. You're going back to the king. You're going back to King Saul. Just take him with you and say, King Saul, you're done. Because he had already been rejected in chapter 15. That's done. That's over. God has already moved on to the next thing. But no, not for another 15 years of David's life. Possibly even longer than that. Do we see the unfolding and the unveiling of what he spoke to him here. Not, not until Abraham was 100 did we see the promise come to pass that was given to him when he was 75. I wonder if we have the ability to wait out God's promise. Do we have the, the ability or are we desiring to be in the place so quickly? So we've, we've got to be careful that God's working on what's on the inside Everyone else looks at what's on the outside. And then lastly, we saw this, that people will try to define you by what you do rather than who you are. And we saw that he wasn't even brought to the party. I mean, Samuel shows up. He's here to anoint a king. And we get down seven brothers. Haven't even, I mean, maybe around five we bring David in. Maybe we see, you know what, this isn't working out so well. Uh, in case it's not number six and in case it's not, let's just go ahead and bring. I mean, they don't even bother. They figure it's got to at least be number seven. But God wanted to get all the way down to number eight. And they didn't even call him by name. Now, do you have any more sons? Because apparently we're, not, we're, we're missing it here. Jesse, do you have any more sons? Well, yeah, we've got another one, but he's, you know, he's out tending sheep. Well, bring them in. 
I don't care where. See, God says, I don't care where you are, and I don't care where you've been, and I don't care what you've been through. I am looking for someone with a future, with a purpose, and with a hope. And honestly, God wants to find the one that everybody else would write off. You don't want to build yourself up in man's eyes at the expense of limiting what God sees. You don't want to work on the stuff on the outside and negate what God is looking at on the inside. You don't want to do that. Because man can put you, man can appoint you. That's what happened to King Saul. Man chose King Saul. God said, fine, you pick you a king. But at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, God tells Samuel, don't worry about King Saul. Just, you know, Samuel's pretty beat up about it. Samuel didn't take it very well. Samuel got a little emotional and got a little angry and said, you know, what in the world? What's going on here? This was the man. This was King Saul. I mean, everybody saw how good looking he was, how tall he was, his leadership abilities. I mean, you know, he, this was the guy. How, how did he fail? And God says, don't worry about it. I've already provided myself a king. See, if you, 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 can, you can have what man builds up, but it'll never compare to what God prepares. It'll never compare to what God prepares. First Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to focus on the pasture. I'm going to talk about the pasture. We'll talk about the pasture. And in first Samuel chapter 16 and verse 10, just reiterating here, it said, uh, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? He said, there remains yet the youngest. We're going to identify him as the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. So he's the youngest and he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down till he comes. That's exciting. That's exciting that people are looking for you. People are looking for you. They're looking for people with purpose. Samuel's looking for him. God's looking for him. And so they said, we're not even going to sit down. The food is going to get cold. We're not even, we don't even care what happens until David shows up. We want to talk about the pasture because ultimately that's where David was. And I love this story because when we think about a king, and especially the king of Israel, God's nation, God's people, this should not be taken lightly. That, that is a very high position to uphold. Remember, this is a position that the people wanted. This is something that the people said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. So, I mean, we're not just looking for just anybody to be in the position of king. We need someone that can take charge. We need someone that can be victorious. We need someone that can lead the people. We need someone that can be a king. So to even consider that God is going to use a shepherd who has led sheep, even, even consider, even have a thought in our brain that this is the individual that's going to lead the nation of Israel. That, that's, that, that this should not be taken lightly. We've got to understand that God is looking in different places than you and I are. And God is looking in the pasture. And in a culture and in a world that devalues the pasture, and we glamorize the palace. How do we go from the pasture to the palace? And I want to tell you right now that we overestimate what God can do in the palace, and we underestimate what God can do in the pasture. We overestimate what God can do at the top, and we underestimate what he can do at the bottom. We devalue what God can do out in the field, tending sheep and cleaning up poop and making sure, you know, that, you know, they're, they're doing what they're doing. And, and, and nobody sees it. Nobody knows about it. It's in the background. It, it, it's, it's, it's not a position that, you know, you, you don't grow up saying, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. <laughs> no, it, it's, 
in your heart to lead. It's in your heart to do the glamorous. It's in your heart to be in front of people. It's, a, it's in your heart to do the thing at the top. Nobody uh, uh, wakes up and, and, and says, you know, I, I want to be a janitor. Nobody, and you know, that's not on my son's list. I know that. Last time I checked his list, you know, he's going to do three things. He's going to be the president, he's going to be a drummer, and he's going to be a preacher. That'll be interesting. A drummer, preacher, president. Whatever. Pick one. Or do them all. I'm not going to sell you short. It's like that moment in um, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, man. Oh, that's amazing. When uh, Will Smith, I don't know the actor's name. Or I know the actor. I don't know the character. He's on that court with his son, and his son says he wants to be, he's shooting him down and saying, man, you can't do that. You need to be realistic. And he, he clicks, and he says, don't ever let anybody tell you, even me, tell you that you, you can do whatever you want to do. We, we tell our, our parents here at Anchor Faith Church, you, you tell your, your child that they won't be successful in whatever God has for them. That's true success. That's true success. So we're talking about the pasture, and so many times we, we overestimate, well, you know, if, if I could just get on the stage, if, if I could just, you know, get noticed, if I could just get ra- if I could just get that position, if I could just get that raise, if I could just have this amount of money, if I could just, and, and, and God is saying, I'm not waiting for the palace. In fact, he's saying, you won't get to the palace until you proved what you can do in the pasture. You won't even get there. You can strive all you want. You can work all you want. You can put in 80 hours a week and then some, and you can try to make all the connections and send all the emails and hand out all the business cards, and, and, and you, can, you can practice on that thing all you want. But until you learn what I need you to learn in the pasture, you don't qualify to be in the palace. God is looking for people to be in the palace that have spent time in the pasture. Number one, the, the pasture is... Obscurity. Obscurity. It's what no one sees. But see, we've really got to change that mentality, don't we? Because there is always one that sees. So we could say it this way. It's what we do when only one is looking. It's what we do when only God is looking. It's in obscurity. It's 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 an abandoned position. It's a forgotten position. I mean, just the fact that he wasn't even brought in when Jesse shows up and says, "I'm anointing one of your sons." I mean, if if I'm dad and I've got a bunch of sons, bringing them all in, man. I'd be excited that even the youngest one, but, but not even excited. And, and, and he's identified by his location. He's identified by his position. He's identified by being the one that tends the sheep in the pasture. Forgotten about. Backwoods. But this is the moment when, see, God loves to do his best work when no one's looking. God will do his best work when no one's looking. In fact, in fact, we have, we, we, we have this take place in our lives all the time and we don't even recognize it. Because where does a seed go? It goes into the ground. You leave a seed on top where everybody can see it, it well, it's not producing nothing for you. Yeah, I just used a double negative. That's how, that's how I feel about that. It's not producing nothing. All my English teachers shout amen. There you are. <laughs> As he shakes his amen. Oh, God. Save him. What happens? That seed goes into a place where no one can see it. In Mark chapter 4, keep your place in First um, Samuel, but in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is actually talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the nature of the kingdom of God, and he's talking about how the kingdom of God operates and trying to explain it in a way that people can understand it. God is trying to help us understand his word. God is trying to get his word. He's not trying to leave it up here. 
He's, he's trying to come down and say, okay, how can we make this applicable? How can we relate this to you? He's trying to do that. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26, he says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night, rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. And I believe that's how, uh, you know, God chooses people with purpose. That people will look around and say, how? I mean, if people aren't asking how about your life, how, how did you get that business to a million dollars? How did you raise that family? How did you do that with, with the little education and the little knowledge that you had? How did you get that far in life? How did you come from something that was so damaging of a background, abused and tormented all your life? And now look at what, how it, you, when God moves on people with his purpose, it leaves others saying, how, I don't know how they're doing that. That that's, that's, I mean, that's what they said about Tim Tebow. How is he winning games with that throw? He should be doing something. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, right? You find, if people don't have an opinion of you, you're probably not walking in your purpose yet. Because people will, that you want to find out, you want to get people opinionated real quick. You want to find out what people think. Start doing something that goes against and beyond your natural ability. Watch what people start saying. Watch what people start pointing out. I mean, his own brothers. His own brothers. He gets out to the, to the, uh, to the battlefield. And they're saying, don't you belong? This is a battlefield. There aren't any sheep out here. Don't you belong back there keeping the sheep? They will, small-minded people will try to keep you in the pasture. But when it's time to come out of the pasture, when you allow God to get you out of the pasture, people will say, how? I don't know how. But that seed has to do something for the earth yields crops. Guys, you have to understand this concept that what is not planted does not produce a harvest. If you are not planted, you will not produce. And many of us are trying to remain on top of the soil and produce a harvest when God's saying, I need to get you planted first. I need you to end up in obscurity where no one sees what's going on. And, and the only ones that are having conversations is me and you. That's what the pasture is. The pasture is a place of obscurity. And if you won't do it when no one is looking, you won't do it when everyone is looking. If you won't do it, if you won't do it behind the scenes, you know, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if we had an opportunity to, to have David here today. And, and I think the question I would ask is, David, which season of your life did you value more, the pasture or the palace? Which, which season do you think was more important? See, we're, we're the ones that promote the platform and promote the leadership. And pl- but, but God wants to know, can you be on the team before you lead it? Can you submit before you tell others what to do? Because if you can't take direction, why should I allow you to give direction? This is, this is what God is doing. I can tell you right now, because see, and what happens here on the platform is everything's magnified. Everything's magnified. I could fail in the pasture and nobody would know about it but me and God. I fail up here and everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. The, the room to mess up and the room to fail becomes a lot smaller up here than it does back there. And see, God is trying to to grow you. God's trying to produce something, but he can't produce anything in your life if you won't allow yourself to be planted. And can I also say this? Many of us don't stay planted. We might get planted, but we uproot before the harvest is ready to yield. 
We pull ourselves out and we, we, we say, my time is up. And we have things like my, my, my seasons come to a close or I feel God moving me on. We have these things. And really what we're saying is I'm not waiting on God to transition me. I've got to pluck myself up and move. It's not happening fast enough. And even after God shows you you're going to be in the palace, can you take yourself back to the pasture? I mean, in my life, I valued the pasture season so much. I, I, there are times, you know, being in this season. And I think that there's always, there's always this balance. Because today, I'm in a palace compared to the pasture I once was. But I know that I'm in a pasture today to, to, to determine. I may be pasturing just under 200 today, but I know there's a day there's 2,000 in me. I know that. And I say that by faith. I don't care. I know that there's a palace still ahead of me. And God is testing to see how will you handle this? How will you handle it when no one's looking? How will you handle it when you get 15 people a week listening to your sermons? Can you handle it? Could you handle being on YouTube visually? Because if you can't handle just being audibly, this is what God is doing in our lives. There's always there's this, this conflict in this paradox because we know that God wants us to do more. But yet our current level and our current position is far below that. But it's, it's like what we talked about on Sunday, the application of the word. What is that doing? It's building the foundation. You can't go on Pinterest and find all kind of cool things about foundations. And honestly, no, but before you can bring in Joanna Gaines, you've got to bring in Chip Gaines. And he's got to tear the stuff up, and he's got to redo all this. He's got to remodel all the stuff nobody sees before Joanna comes in and fixes all the stuff everybody sees. Because you can hang walls on there, and you can hang pictures, and you can have your beautiful little fireplace. And in two years, it's coming down because you didn't let Chip do his job. Are you hearing me? I'm just trying to get relatable. I'm trying to get it in your... Trying to get it in your house right now. Literally. Come on. And that's the part I hate the most. The part I hated the most about this job was all the reconstruction of what this place needed. You should have seen the carpet before you got these beautiful polished floors. But some of y'all did. We love the before and after, but... The process of transformation, it happens in obscurity. People don't show up to the practice, they show up to the game. But if you don't practice, they're not coming to your game. Are you hearing me? The pasture is obscurity. It's what's happening when people are sleeping. That produces what people want when they wake up. People are waiting on your gift. And I'm going to tell you right now, just because they sleep on you doesn't mean that they won't reap the harvest. Don't we hear that a lot, especially in sports? It's the sleeper team. Who's the, who's the sleeper right now? You know, you got the basketball playoffs. You got, you, you got the team in it right now. That's the trust the process team, the Philadelphia 76 Trust the process. Trust the process. And that's so literal because purpose has a process. Purpose doesn't happen overnight. And I just wonder if we have people that are willing to plant before they produce. Number two, the pasture is the development, the de- is the development process. The pasture is the development process. It's in obscurity, number one. It's where no one's looking. It's what you do when, when, when only God is looking. It's what you do when, when no one remembers to invite you and no one remembers to bring you. And, and if you won't do it when no one's looking, you won't, you won't do it when everyone's looking. But now we have to recognize that the pasture is where the development takes place. Just like the seed in the soil, it's developing. What's it doing? Putting roots down. I mean, why can't you just go get a tree and just, stick, just stand it up? doesn't work that way. You've got to get the roots 
down. Every single one of us were brought into this world through this process. No one came in here a full, mature adult. And no one came in here without the nine-month process when no one sees. It's amazing. Man, I'm telling you, if you could understand your purpose is like a baby inside. And what do they, what do moms start doing, man? They're picking out paint colors and they're picking out furniture and they're picking out names for something that you can't even see yet. And nobody would walk up to a pregnant woman and say, are you sure it's there? What are you getting ready for? What are you so excited about? It's not here. Can't see it. But the expectation, because when no one's looking, that's when you're developing. When no one is seeing it, that's when God is putting in you all the stuff that you, and if you don't develop in the pasture, you, you will not develop in the palace. You don't develop the ability that you need at the palace. You develop the ability that you need in the pasture. Oh, if we could just treat the pasture like we would the palace. We all say that. Oh, man, if I had that, man, you would show up early. You would give your full 110% effort. You wouldn't complain or grumble about it. Let me just go ahead and tell you something. You will. You will. Because we see all the glamorous stuff and we all we know the stuff that we desire about it. But there's also things that we don't like about it. Regardless of how awesome it is. This is the very thing I've dreamed of doing since I was about four years old, pastoring a church. I'm, I'm doing I'm living the dream. Not very many people can say that they're doing what they always wanted to do. I'm doing that and I don't take that for granted. But there are some days, Chris. Plenty of Sundays I've said this is the last one. Lots of doors, give the key to somebody else, they can open it up next week. Plenty of days. Plenty of days to devalue the very thing that you've been developed for. Even the vision that God has placed within you can become a burden. Even fulfilling, the, the, even at the greatest level, it has its weights. Where do you develop the ability to withstand the palace, it's in the pasture. It's the development stage. This is where God works on your heart. This is where God works on your heart. It's in the pasture. It's interesting that he doesn't say about David, he's a man that will be after my own heart. Before he ever stepped foot in the palace, God has already put on him, that's a man after my own heart. That's incredible. It's amazing to me that God would give him such a high honor before he ever proved that he could handle the palace. I want you to know today that God has already determined your worth and your value before you get into your purpose. So many times we think that our value is determined by what we do. And God determines your value based upon who you are. You don't have to prove to him how valuable you are. But it's out of that value, and it's out of that. I know that people have devalued, and I know that people haven't brought you, haven't sent you the invite, and you've been passed over, looked over. I know that every time you get up, no matter how good of a job you do, no matter even the commendations that other people give you, they will always look at you and say, he's just a shepherd. I know that there will be those moments, but I'm telling you today that God has already gauged and determined and given you your worth, your value. He sent his son to die for you. There's not another thing you could do to say, God, I'm worth it. He's saying now because you are worth it now because I have paid the price now. Now, because you have value, this is what I've called you to do.
Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Because you're waiting on the next promotion. And you're waiting on the, the, the next hundred people coming through your ministry. And you're waiting for, for you to write the book and write the song and, and do the thing. You're waiting to, to, to think that God is satisfied and happy with you. And I'm telling you today, he loves you. He's given you value. And he's giving you the greatest worth of all. And nobody can devalue that. Never allow your worth to be, t- be determined by mere man. Because they will build you up when it's good and they will tear you down when it's not. You can't go by people. You can't go by people. You can't. I love the encouragement. I, I, I welcome the encouragement. I love when people say, Pastor Mark, what a, what a powerful message. Man, you're anointed man. I, but I don't live by that. I, you know, there was a moment in David's life where even his own frenemies, if I can use that word, even his own army, even those that came and said, we're with you, man, we're going to we're going to fight. But they came and said, let's stone him. He took them to battle. Their wives and their children got captured and his own army that was fighting for him is now fighting against him. And you know what it says in the Bible? It says David broke down and said, all my friends are against me. What am I going to do? No, it says he encouraged himself. You've got to develop the ability that you say, if you encourage me, great. Pat on the back, awesome. Give me a thank you and say I appreciate all you do. Thank you so much. That encouraged me. That helps me. But even if you don't, I'm still going on in my purpose. And even if you don't, I will build myself up in the Lord. And even when you want to cut me down, take me out, and throw me away, I will still encourage myself in the Lord because I still have worth. Are you hearing me today? You cannot allow people to determine your worth, your value. And if you're up when the people love you and you're down when the people don't, you'll never make it to your purpose. You'll never make it. If we continue on in Mark chapter 4, in verse 30, he says, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. Verse 32, but when it is sown, it grows. When it is sown, it grows. When it is sown, what is sown will one day become grown. If you allow the process and you might go in the smallest on the earth and you can come out. And what does it say? When it grows up, it becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that birds of the air may nest under its shade. But see, if if you if you won't take care of the seed. You won't get to take care of a tree. This is the development process. You got to recognize that God, God never gives you anything in the form of a tree. Never. He would be going against a kingdom principle if he gave it to you in its fruition, in its completed stage. He won't do it. He gives you a marriage in seed form. He gives you a staff in seed form. He gives you a job in seed form. He gives you an assignment in seed form. He gives you a gift in seed form. He gives you a talent in seed form. And it's what you do with it that determines what it produces. I was just talking with a a, a pastor just the other day. And he was talking about his leader. Man, I just, you know, I want the dream team. I, I want to get a dream team. You know what a dream team is? It's just that. A dream. No. God gives you the pieces to the puzzle and it's up to you to put it together. The pasture is where you develop. The pasture is where you grow. The pasture is where we work on the thing. It's interesting because over in 1 Samuel chapter 17... Or I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, staying there in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And you got to see this. You got to see this here. I told y'all to keep your finger and I didn't. 
1 Samuel chapter 16. Later on in that chapter, he's anointed. We saw that he goes right back out with the sheep. Amen. Goes right back to the pasture. That's why we're talking about it. And in verse 16. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. I want you to see something here. David is called, anointed to be a king. I wonder what part of being a king makes playing a harp relevant. But what I want you to see is that sometimes it's the skill or the ability that you think is irrelevant to your calling that is the very one that God wants you to develop. You're in an area or in a, in a season where you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm doing it just because they asked me to. And, and, and they just, you know, they, they want me to be here. And I don't even really. But they're not looking to see how well you can teach the kids. They're looking to see, do they have the ability to show up on time? And do they have the ability to submit? And will they pour and minister into those kids the same way they would pour into their own ministry? This is what God is trying to do. And many times we disregard the the the, the Skills that God is wanting to develop us, and this skill is what got him to the palace. We don't talk about it a lot, but the only reason they even allowed him before King Saul on the battlefield was because he fulfilled this assignment right here. Because he already had a no with the, with King Saul, and King Saul found favor with him. And King Saul, why on earth would a king of an army jeopardize their entire military strategy on a shepherd boy? But King Saul trusted David. How, why did he trust him? Oh, because the Holy Spirit. No, King Saul's not listening to God. He's not listening to the Holy Spirit. He's not being led by that. But he trusted David because David fulfilled for him a season of playing a harp. The harp is irrelevant to fighting a giant, but the harp is what got him into the position to fight the giant. I wonder what skills and abilities God is trying to work on us in that we think are irrelevant to our final destination, our final purpose, our final calling. But yet that's the very skill he wants to work on you to get you into the position. I've told the story many times when I graduated Rama, the number one area I had never served in and the number one area that I wrote off that I said, that's the one area I don't want to be in was children's ministry. Guess how I got here. <laughs> and you know, it had nothing to do with my ability to calm a child when he was crying. It had nothing to do with an ability, uh, my ability to break down a lesson to a child's age. It had nothing to do with my ability to to uh, help an anxious mom as she was dropping off their child, their, their crying, screaming child for the first time. It had nothing to do with any of those skills. But yet God was working on something in me that proved to my leaders, proved to my pastors, they're not just called to teach a class. They can pastor the whole ministry. And when I pastored children's ministry, It's what put me in the position to be where I'm at today. Many times it's the very things that we write off that are the very things that God's trying to use to get us into our purpose. It's the development. He's not wanting you to develop a love for kids. He's wanting you to develop the ability to show up on time and serve with 100% heart as if that was your final destination. He's not wanting you to to 
be the janitor, but he's trying to see, well, how will you treat that? How will you value that position? And it's what we do in the development stage. It's what we do when we are sown that determines how we grow. He was recognized for something that was completely irrelevant for fighting a giant. He was noticed. I mean, look at the list of things. These, these are not things that we say, you know, this is what a king needs. But if we write it off for the final, we'll never get ourselves in position. Number three. The pasture is where you get to know God. The pasture is where you get to know God. Anytime I have a conversation with people regarding purpose, regarding what am I supposed to do, that's always the question. I want to know what. I want to know what. I want to know what my purpose is. I know I need to know what I'm what am I supposed to be doing? Sometimes it might be I need to know where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes it might be uh, I, I, I need to know how to do this thing. But what I help them with every time is it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And sometimes we make God simply the avenue that we get what we want. And we're asking God to bless our will. We're asking God to put his hand upon what ultimately we want to do. And God's favor follows his purpose. God's provision follows his vision. Provision means for the vision. And we're asking God to provide for our vision. We're asking God, and, and he's saying, you know what? You know what's more important? I mean, think, think about David out here in this, in this pasture. You know what's more important than knowing what to do? Is knowing who. Because God isn't trying to teach you how to do something. He's trying to teach you who he is and who you are. It's all about identity. It's all about identity. Because without David discovering his identity, he does not endure the next 14 years, 15 years of trials in his life. And we're going to walk through the trials. It's not pleasant. We might see the crowd start to dwindle on Wednesday. I might be left with a couple people on the front row. That's okay. Because it's not pleasant. It's not fun. And there'll be opportunities for you to say, that's not how God makes purpose happen. No, he, he doesn't want me to do that. He doesn't want me to, to respond that way. But we're going to look at it right in the word. But it's not, God's not trying to teach us what to do. He's trying to show us who he is. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45, when David finally gets before Goliath, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Meaning, you know what to do. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom... You have defied. David didn't charge Goliath with skill. He charged him with who his God is. Do you know who your God is? See, purpose is not about knowing what. It's about knowing who. Because this is what I've learned in my life. Is when I get to know him. I will know what he wants me to do. That's a byproduct of just knowing him. And I wonder if we can just come before God and not with a request and not with a demand and not with a list of do's and don'ts and not with a list of, God, when is this going to happen and how is this going to happen and, and, and what, what do I need here and, and can you provide? But if we could just come in and say, God, I just want to know you. That's what Paul said. 
Paul said, I just want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And when you learn who he is, he will clue you in on who you are. He will never allow you to learn about who he is without teaching you who you are. And then your purpose flows. And then your purpose comes out. And then your purpose begins to show up. Because then you can confidently walk in the next season of your life, not because you got the skill, not because you got the talent. I mean, if he was going to put him before Goliath, why not have him out there, you know, learning how to use a sword and how to carry a shield and how to work with some armor? Why doesn't he have them saying, you know what, one of these? And, and, And you think about it. When he gets before Saul, I don't have the verse, but he says, I killed a lion. And I killed a bear. There's something that you are going to learn and engage in and do in the pasture that is going to become your source of strength in the next season. But it's where we get to know. It wasn't a skill. I mean, he's just he's just resorting back to what he knows to do. I can throw a sling. I can load this thing up with some rocks, and I'll charge them with a sling. Don't need a sword. King Saul even tried to give him this stuff. King Saul even said, well, here, we'll talk about comparison one of these weeks, maybe next week, the comparison trap. But he puts them out there. See, it's what you already know to do that's going to help you conquer the next season. You're, you're thinking, well, I, I mean, I, I can't fight that giant because I, I don't know how to do this. I, I can't overcome that battle. I, I can't pay that off. I, I, I can't, uh, you know, I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right sources. I don't know the right people. I don't make enough money. I mean, we all have the things that say I don't have. And God is saying, but there is something I've been working on with you. There is a repertoire that I've been giving you. And if you just pull on what you already know to do, you'll conquer the next season. But David was out there doing what? getting to know his God. And he didn't charge Goliath with a weapon. He didn't charge Goliath with a strategy. He didn't charge Goliath with the military combat training. He charged him with faith in who his God was. You know how you're going to whip that giant in your next season? By faith in who God is. You know how you're going to raise those teenage kids and you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with teenagers. Why do I even, and and, and God's going to say, you know who I am and I'm with you the whole step of the way. How are you going to run that business at that level? How are you going to get it out of bankruptcy? How are you going to lead that team? How are you going to start that ministry? You're going to do it in the next season with the thing that he's been developing in you in the last season.